And Matt Damon was famously in The Bachelor as well. So that was also <laughs> another movie that he was in. a James Bond podcast. I'm your double O host, Jonathan Watkins. I'm a writer for all things under the CinemaSense brand name and a co-host of Behind the Sense podcast. Joining me each and every week for this endeavor, he's the co-founder of CinemaSense, co-host of the weekly podcast, Recotopia. And while he's not from the UK, many have compared him to a stiff-ass Brit. Mm. And he's mm. also one of my good friends, this uh, is... Mr. Mr. Chris Atkinson. This is How's news to me. This is news to me. I've <laughs> oh. never, oh, never... No heard that before (laughs) if people are saying that behind my back a lot oh i don't know but yeah anyway hello hello uh we are going to talk about uh golden eye or golden eye however you want to however you want to say that so uh yeah let's just uh this will be fun let's just get into it got a got a lot of behind the scenes things to talk about this week Mm -hmm. Uh, which is good which is okay though it'll still be about the same because we don't have a we don't have a book segment, so and and this will be the. I think this is going to start a. Uh, I don't know what you want to say. This is going to start a string, probably until we get to the end of where they stopped making the traditional making of uh, Bond uh, featurettes on mm-hmm. the on the discs. Um, so they had on this one they had a um a video diary that i watched that cool. is about 14 or 15 minutes but not the same uh, ones that i had been seeing all the way up into this point that were narrated by patrick McNee McNee and uh so um so for the first time i'm not hearing from the producers <laughs> or the writers or anything like that on a podcast and so i uh i'm going to have to just Take your word for it on everything, Jonathan. Well, let's get into the behind the scenes. Uh, our segment we like to call Eon Flux. This is a journey. I'm gonna make a movie! We have to go back, Kate. Wow, how did you know all that stuff? I did my research. I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on? We are gonna scour through the history of Eon Productions and give you all the highs and lows that went into the makings of these films. We are talking about Goldeneye today. Goldeneye is the 17th film, which is crazy, in the in the official franchise, the 19th we've covered, but it's the 17th film in the franchise. It is the first of four to star Pierce Brosnan, so we're going to be with Pierce for a few weeks. It is the first of two to be directed by Martin Campbell, and I really hope they bring Martin Campbell to direct the next one, because mm-hmm. if they do, he will have directed the first film for three Bonds in a row, because yeah. he directs Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's the first film to have none of the story elements from any of Ian Fleming's novels or short stories. There's nothing in this that they take from a single a piece of his writing. Uh, it's named after, actually, Ian Fleming's house mm-hmm. uh, in the in the Bahamas, mansion, whatever it is, but that was called Goldeneye. Um, 
the film was released six years after the last one. We talked about this a little bit last week, but uh, it's the it's the longest gap, which is amazing because these have been going since, depending on where you live, country wise, sixty two or sixty three. Mm-hmm. Um, that's insane that there's only been you know a six year gap is the longest and still is and uh, might always be depends on how quickly they get this next one going. I guess. Um, yep. I think the, because I think there's only there's a four year difference between uh, Die Another Day and Casino Royale, and then I yep. think maybe there was like a three year difference between a couple of the Craigs, but uh, but never yeah. to this level. Um, it's the first film not to be produced by Albert Broccoli. We talked about that last week. We said it was the last film. License to Kill was his last film. Uh, he passed away in '96, but he was still around a little bit, but he did not take on any of the heavy producing duties. His, uh, his daughter, Barbara, who, as far as I know, is still there, um, mm-hmm. uh, takes over. And then I, Michael G. Wilson is still, uh, hanging out, but, um, it's the first bond released after the dissolution of the Soviet union, um, and the end of the cold war. That was interesting because, you know, that, you know, bond kind of was a cold war type franchise especially you know getting into like the 70s and 80s and um uh so that was kind of a change and they actually use that as kind of the backdrop of what's going on um in goldeneye uh which we'll talk about later so the film premiered november 13th 1995 not it premiered here i mean in the not tennessee but in the united states at a radio city music hall uh and the general release started uh a couple days later on november 7th or four days later on november 17th uh, the UK premiere was on November 21st, and the general release was on the 24th. Uh, film had a worldwide gross of a little over $350 million, so it was a big hit. Uh, mm-hmm. Although domestically, it only made 106, which, mind you, I, I looked at the top 10. Toy Story was the number one, and it only had $191 million. So, I mean, this yeah. is still—we're not, we're not to the point where— the number one movie is making like 700 million or whatever, yeah. or even like three or 400 million. We're still kind of in that. There's only usually seven or eight movies that make a hundred million, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Titanic is the one anomaly, but it, yeah. it, 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 it that comes out in the nineties. And that was like, you know, that was an insane, I mean, you know, obviously there were more that, that made it and it got hit the 200 million mark, but yeah, in the 1995, 106 million was bonafide. Like hundred million actually meant something back then. So exactly. Exactly. So you had your top ten. You had you had Toy Story, Batman Forever was number two, Apollo thirteen, Pocahontas, Casper, and then uh, Ace Ventura when Nature Calls actually mm. finished about, and then Goldeneye. I didn't. Really, I forgot Ace Ventura when Nature Calls was that big of a hit. I think it made most of that on its opening weekend. Then you had seven and Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, so that mm-hmm. was your that was your top ten. Uh, so and all those made a hundred, but I think like seven and Die Hard were both like right at a hundred. Yeah. Um, but I think I think yeah, Crimson Tide may have been just underneath that, like eleven or twelve somewhere yeah, around. Yeah, it there. was. It was. It was definitely in that area, arena. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most successful Bond film if you factor in inflation. It was the most profitable one since Moonraker uh, if mm-hmm. you factored in inflation, uh, which makes sense because Moonraker was a pretty big hit, mm-hmm. and obviously it made a lot more than the than the Timothy Dalton movies did. It also was made on a much, a pretty small budget. Uh, I actually at first read 60 million, but then uh, in the, in the nobody does it better book, which is where I'm getting some of this information from, as I mentioned at the top, um, it did said it was like 49 million was the budget. Mm. So that's what Martin Campbell said. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that I mean, when you, I mean, even for a movie in 1994, whenever they started filming this, I mean, that's not high at all. <laughs> you no, know, it's interesting. Not that this makes a difference on the cost no. at all. They, um, 
uh, we're filming this in 1995. That's how insane. Oh yeah, their, that's true. Their, yeah. Pr- their production schedule is like, um, I think uh, there's a p- moment in the video diary that Brosnan says something that alludes to the fact that it's 1995, but. They have uh, footage of some of the stunts being made, and all the time codes are March of 1995 or February mm-hmm. of 1995. They crank these movies out, man. Like, and like crazy. a movie like a movie like this uh, today, it feels like they would make it, and then they'd spend a year in post production, and you know, it would be a full year and a half before the movie came out. But I don't well, know. And they were kind of like, uh, part of it was, I mean, I read a few different things, but part of it was that, um, which I'll get into this when I get to production, but part of it is um, it, it, some people wanted Dalton to do another one and some people didn't. Like the Broccoli's mm-hmm. and Wilson, I don't, well, Wilson, I don't, I don't remember. He didn't, he, I didn't read too much about him, but I know that uh, Cubby, Albert Broccoli, uh, mm-hmm. He really wanted to give Dalton his third movie because he had signed a contract for three movies. He wanted to give him another chance. They really liked Dalton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one of the the Jeff Kleeman, who was uh, the vice president of production at MGMUA, him and the, the president, um, they liked Dalton. Uh, Kleeman actually said like something along the lines of Dalton actually felt like Bond in real life. Like he had a really mm. good sense of humor. He was really suave, but he said mm-hmm. it just didn't translate on the screen. I don't completely agree with that, but I still know what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't really want him. Um, but I, but so they do, they do announce that they're going to do a film with Dalton uh, at Cannes film festival in 1990. They even have like a made up poster. I don't know if there was mm-hmm. a title on it, but they had a poster, you know, showing Dalton will be back as Bond in like 92 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wrote a script. Um, they were, they had not hired a director yet. They were looking at like John Landis was one of the names I came across. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, Ted Kotcheff, who, um, mm-hmm. well, like I was even thinking about Landis. Like, I guess he was coming off coming to America. So I guess he was like, he had a hit, but that still doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, yeah. It makes no sense. Ted Kotcheff did, I didn't write it down, but I think he, he did Rambo First Blood Part 2, I think. Oh, babe, let me look that up, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, he did First Blood. Sorry, he did the first mm-hmm. one. Uh, mm-hmm. um, what The guy who did Tombstone, uh, Cosmatos, he did yeah. He did the second one. But anyways, uh, Ted Kotcheff um, and then um, Roger Spottiswood, uh, who actually directs the next Bond film, yep. uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, and then uh, John Byram, who was not somebody I recognized anything that he did. But uh, mm-hmm. and then they they had a screenplay written. It it was gonna or they at least had a I can't remember if they had a full screenplay written. But the the idea was that it was gonna be a terrorist attack on a nuclear facility in Scotland, and it was gonna be they were threatening to have World War Three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Bond would be going up against a former mentor named Denholm Crisp. Uh, then after the Gulf War happened, because they were still working on it. Uh, they decided to change it from Scotland to Libya. Uh, the Chinese became the the bad guy. Uh, well, it was a it was a Chinese general. It wasn't the entire mm. Chinese nation. Right. Uh, and there was also another. There were also a British industrialist and American mobsters were involved. Which sounds like Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so that was what they were doing uh, with them. But then it just. They, it just never got going. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that no one could figure out it. No one could get on board, completely on board with Dalton. Uh, Albert was fighting for him, but that was about it. And mm-hmm. then his contract didn't lapse until 93. So a lot of people think they just kind of waited uh, yeah. until his contract lapsed. And then I'm sure they got out of like, I, they probably still had to pay him, but 
I guess they didn't want to have to pay him and then pay another actor it, you know, at that same time. So, mm-hmm. so then like MGM starting to get pissed, uh, because they're they feel like they're just sitting there taking their time, which MGM is about to have a bunch of hits. Uh, like Birdcage uh, comes out the next year, which Birdcage actually had a higher budget uh, than mm-hmm. than Goldeneye, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. I mean, fifteen twenty million of that could have been Robin Williams. I don't know, but yeah. But anyway, so uh, they wait till his contracts lapse, and then after that happens, then they start kind of looking in. But M- I'm sorry, MGM starts getting pissed. MGM threatens to, they say they're going to buy this set of novels, the Quiller novels, which I've heard of, but I've never read. But it's just another mm. spy series. And they okay. said they were going to buy this, and they were going to start making Quiller movies instead of James Bond movies. Uh, and so I guess that got them going a little bit. But there was also some other stuff going on, too. Like uh, MGM ends up getting sold a few years after that. So a lot of that was going on. Uh, the the mm-hmm. creditors, the people that were that like gave them finance, the pictures, uh, they were being sold. Uh, so at one point, they weren't even sure where they were going to get money from if they could to, to make the movie. So there's mm-hmm. just a lot of weird stuff in the air. So that's partly why it took a minute. Once they started, once they got started, uh, uh, Phil Mayhew, I read an interview with him. He was the director of photography. Uh, he said, I love this because I feel like this is every Bond film. We hear this. They wanted to get back to more of a realistic approach. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they say that every time. They do a lot. But he did bring up a good point where one of the things they 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 thought they thought exotic places, that being such a big part of the Bond franchise, they didn't really think that would be enough anymore just because traveling is so much more accessible like like so many more people are traveling the world uh so many more people are going to these places so that did have them concentrate a little more on the action because they decided that we need to make this more just like a straight up action movie like we need to come up with some really cool action sequences as opposed to we're just going to have him sitting and there's going to be a sunset behind him on a beach or something uh, and I, I would, I mean, you know, we could talk about the action scenes. We could talk about the movie, but I mean, you can definitely tell that it does feel more like that. Uh, it, this mm-hmm. feels more like a straight up action movie than, you know, some of the past ones have. And then, uh, like I said, heading to 94 MGM, uh, made that thread about the Quiller series. Uh, some people said that when true lies came out, uh, I, I read some interviews where people said true lies kind of, uh, uh, caused a problem for them because then they thought that they couldn't do what they've normally done because True Lies kind of was I don't know if making fun of it but True Lies was kind of just doing something with it and and just mm-hmm. the way the action movie was progressing uh, but then I also read like uh, I think it was uh, I think it was Campbell that was like yeah we didn't give a shit about True Lies that had fucking nothing to do with it so I don't know but yeah but some people said it did some people said it didn't um, so then. Um, Pierce, they they go to Pierce to see if they could even get him. Uh, he was kind of irritated. Uh, he was he was not in a great mood. He, he didn't like the fact that like after because that was a big deal in the eighties. Like that was a that was a that might have been one of our first examples of like entertainment news really cracking something. And like he became known as the guy that almost played Bond. Like and that's kind of what he was known as, and that really pissed him off. Obviously, because it's like I'm trying to you know act. Mm-hmm. Like what are you talking about? Uh, like, let's just, it, you know, forget this. It's been like six or seven years. Um, so mm-hmm. when they, when his agent told him they were interested, he said he would do it, but he said they had to give it to him now. Like he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna like, you know, 
wait around and and go up against other people. But he's like, but if they don't want me, that's fine. But he's like, they have to tell me either or, you know, but if they say they want me, I'll take it, mm-hmm. you know, so because yeah. he wanted to prove to people he could do it or whatever. And at that point, he was he was relegated to a lot of supporting roles. Like he was doing like Mrs. Doubtfire. He was in he was in Love Affair. He was kind of like that other or is it Love Affair? Is that what the, the Warren Beatty movie? Uh, he, he was always yeah, kind of like yeah. that was the remake. Yeah, he was like the other guy in these movies. Mm-hmm. I'll get into more of that when I get into casting about the other people. But I just wanted to mention that about Pierce Brosnan to kind of tell the evolution of this. Uh, Martin Campbell, uh, they really liked him. Um, he had done a TV, he, he had made like three, like theatrical films, a criminal law, defenseless and no escape. Um, all of those were not, they were not hits, um, at all. They, they were Mm -hmm. pretty much flops, but, um, they really liked what he did in no escape because he had a really limited budget and he was able to no escape. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the, the the late Ray Liotta, unfortunately, uh, one of his, but, um, but it, that had a really tiny budget. Like it was like, I don't know, 15, 20 million or something. He was able to do a lot with it. So they thought because they were going to get a lower budget, they thought he would be a good guy to bring in. Also, he had done this TV miniseries called Edge of Darkness, which is interesting because mm-hmm. I think that's the, that was turned into, they made a feature film based on that with Mel Gibson, which is funny because yep. Mel Gibson was possibly going to be Bond in this movie. Like that was one of the ones they were thinking about mm-hmm. uh, before they finally yeah. offered it to Pierce. Um Mm-hmm. I'll talk about that more in a second. But um, I just thought that was interesting. Campbell, yeah, he was amazing working around. Um, one of the examples of the smaller budget I thought was funny was when the when the soldiers are running to the planes. Um, they didn't have the money to have like like a bunch of extras, like have like actually like get these planes and like have them on a landing. So he had to make the tails of the planes. So when they run out, you immediately see the tails, and then the next shot, they're in the air. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he would do stuff like that. Like that was kind of so they 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 talked about how much they loved him <laughs> and uh, it might be why they brought him back for Casino Royale. I mean, I don't know because I haven't read that up to that yet, but we'll see. Uh, the first writer they brought in once they decided to go with this new movie was uh, this guy Michael France. Uh, he had actually published a Bond fanzine when he was younger. <laughs> uh, it was called Mister Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He was a big fan of the franchise, mm-hmm. uh, and he had just written Cliffhanger. Uh, mm-hmm. that was apparently his spec I, from what I read, like that was actually a spec script. He sold it and it immediately went into production like that. And that like never wow. happens. You know, it's like, it was like really quick. I mean, I don't think it was like the next day, but it was just, he, he sold it like a 92 or nine or like, I'm sorry, like 90 or 91. And then the movie comes out in 93. So, I mean, it was a real quick turnaround. So that was really impressive. Although from what I can tell, uh, most people didn't really like the script after he wrote, I mean, not, not cliffhanger, but, uh, golden but mm-hmm. France said one of his biggest challenges was coming up with stunts and action sequences that had already been done. Uh, he actually came up with so many that they couldn't use them all because they uh, they didn't have the money. But a lot of his stuff that he came up with, they're used in uh, some of the next few films, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he also wanted to come up with something contemporary. So he did a lot of research on high-tech technology and... Um, he, he found the electromagnetic pulse satellite thing. And that's yeah. kind of what, so that stayed in from his script. I feel like this is, I don't know, you, you may know better than I do. This may be the first time I've heard of EMPs in movies is in Golden. I, I couldn't think of enough. No, I thought about this and I, I, I couldn't really, I couldn't, I tried to Google it and I couldn't really find anything, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think I had heard of them either before this. I don't, do they call them EMP in the movie? I'm trying there's to remember. A, they... There's a moment where uh, Bond says electromagnetic pulse and 
I think they don't think they're saying it's exactly that, but they are saying yeah. it works like that. So, um, I mean, so, I had that thought in my head because now I know what they are. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I bet in '95, I was just like, I don't. What the fuck is this? Yeah, I don't it know. just sounds like it just sounds like <laughs> random movie it technology. Like bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah. like uh, Star Trek. It sounds like uh, you know. Uh, all of a sudden, I can't think of what they call that techno babble. That's what it mm-hmm. sounds like. Yep. Um, then they bring in this guy Jeffrey Kane. Uh, because Martin Campbell wasn't, he liked, he liked like the basis of Francis script, but he just didn't really like the script itself. Uh, so Campbell, so Jeffrey Kane comes in with Martin Campbell. Uh, he adds the entire first act, like, well, that first act with the, oh, you don't need the gun commander. And then he says that depends on your definition of safe sex. And like, Firesky yeah, wrote yeah, that, yeah. that was supposed to be a reference to like the AIDS crisis, a- a- AIDS epidemic and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a crisis or an epidemic, or does it matter? I don't know. I don't want to be. I think be, it I don't was an f- epidemic. Yeah, I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> I, I didn't mean was, to no, offend I think, anybody. No, if I, I did. Well, I don't think you would have either yeah. way, but okay. I, I believe it was an epidemic. Alan Cumming. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> pretty sure first time I've seen Alan. Well, that's interesting too. So Alan Cumming and the Mini Driver are both yeah. in this. Yeah. And earlier that year, they had basically like just made. I mean, they weren't. They had made a couple films before Circle of Friends. Mm-hmm. But that was definitely like the first movie where both of them got noticed, especially Minnie Driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny Do that you, she's in this because she's in one scene and you're just I'm, like, I, I'm trying to figure out, did, did we, I don't know if when, when I watched this, I knew who Minnie Driver was, although Circle Friends, I did see that. So maybe I did. Yeah, um, I, I think I did, but I, I didn't like, I just like, oh, it's the person from Circle of Friends, but obviously yeah. like Google Hunting you know yeah 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 goodwill hunting but, becomes like her big one yeah goodwill hunting is like two years later so i it I is just, yeah i just kind of I, I i was trying to remember did i know who she was i know i saw circle yeah. of friends the problem is in circle of friends she's playing a character who's like overweight or 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 something like that and, she's definitely and, like she's not she's not like at a like she's not doing like a review show by like, right right singing, and, singing and Stand the, by part of man. the whole movie part of that part of the circle of friends is mm-hmm. plot is that she's like oh she's so like barely yeah. overweight she's unattractive whatever <laughs> and then and then in and then golden eye she's like slim down so it's like i was trying to figure out like if i had it, back in the day when i yeah. watched this and i don't even i can't even remember when i watched this like it it was it was like it was during a time that i would have been coming home from uh tennessee tech mm-hmm. to come back to franklin and I would I would have either watched this on a Friday afternoon because we had no matinees. I just came into the theater mm-hmm. and watched the movie, or I found some other time to watch it. I don't know, but I don't remember anything about watching this the first time. Yeah, I don't know if I knew. I mean, I, I, maybe I did. I mean, it's just it's hard to know because watching it now, you're just like, holy crap, that's Minnie Driver. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I ever saw Judy Dench in anything. Uh, that yeah, which was which be. fascinated me. I looked at her IMDb. There's movies she did. I mean, she's been acting technically like she was in movie, like a movie in the sixties forever, but, but there were, but she had a, she had some gaps in there. Maybe she was doing TV or something, but, mm-hmm. uh, but as far as her films, like there's movies I've seen that she did before this, as I've gotten older, like a room with a view, uh, enchanted April. But like, I, this had to be the first movie I saw like at, in when I when this came out, that had to be the first time mm-hmm. I ever saw her, which is just insane to me now because it's like it's fucking Judy Dench, man. Um, but anyways, 
Uh, so yeah, Jeffrey Kane comes in and he had, he's most known for adding that first act, a couple of the characters Then they brought in this guy, Kevin Wade. He had just hit it big with a uh, working girl, uh, was, uh, was mm-hmm. the script that he wrote, uh, that uh, might have even got nominated for an Oscar. I know that movie got nominated for a bunch of stuff. I don't know if the screenplay did, but uh, he basically just did a polish. Uh, but that is where the last name of Joe Don Baker's character's name came from. They uh, they were big. They liked Kevin Wade, so they gave they they gave his name, made his last name Wade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Joe Don Baker thing's interesting too because you know he was in Living Daylights, but yep. I did see that he was in that Edge of Darkness miniseries. So my guess is that was a Martin Campbell thing, but I, I couldn't find anything that said that. I didn't read much yeah. of anything about Joe Don Baker. Uh, anyways, uh, then the, the final writer they brought in was Bruce Firestein. Um, he had sold like spec scripts, but it, I think to this day, like he's never had a script that he wrote like official. Like he actually had a credit on that actually got made. Uh, but mm-hmm. he had sold some spec scripts at the time and he was known as, and he was also a journalist, but he was known as being a really good dialogue writer. So he, mm-hmm. he, he kind of brushes up a lot of the dialogue and stuff. So he's probably the reason a lot of the, a lot of the witty dialogue we have. Like I know he, he, he did the, uh, the, what is it? The, um, the, God, what does she say about, what does she, uh, it's the Fomka Jansen and, uh, Brosnan scene where she says something about, like I said, they added that bit of dialogue to kind of, you know, make a comment about that. Just, there's a lot of interesting dialogue in here. Like they, they, they're able, they kind of established the cold wars over mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, they're, they, they were trying to, they were trying to, uh, really like make sure, like, it's almost kind of like now where it, I mean, it's not, I don't think this was like a fan base thing, but it almost feels like kind of now where this is just almost like almost every big movie does this, where they make sure they explain like fucking everything. That's why we have two hour and 40 minute movies now constantly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it almost feels like this yeah. was one where they were well aware of that they were really trying really hard to, to make him work in the nineties, uh, to the point where I almost think they were mm-hmm. a little scared and they were a little taken back and they were just, you know, they just didn't really know exactly what to do. It's, it's kind of amazing. This movie was made, uh, and was as, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but it was, as, was as good as it is. Let's put it that way. Um, so, yeah. uh, the film was shot on location, uh, in the UK, Russia, Monte Carlo and Puerto Rico. It was the first film to be shot at the leave Leaves Dead Studios or Leviston Studios? I'm not really sure, but that's a that's a big UK studio that's... Mm. Yeah. Leviston's uh, probably right. And it was the first Bond film to use CGI, uh, which is which is very noticeable. Well, and <laughs> it's pretty obvious, too. Like, that's the thing. You watch this today, it's like, whoa, there's the CGI. But and I could be wrong, because we're not going to watch it for a few weeks, but Die Another Day is the Brosnan film I had seen the most recently, because we send it. Mm-hmm. And the the effects in that movie are so bad. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, and I don't know, like, I'm wondering, like, these have to, but it's just weird if these are better than that, because you would think seven years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I don't know. I mean, a lot of that depends on budget, and I mean, a lot of that depends on so many things, so... Uh, I don't think they use like a ton of CGI, but when they use it, you can definitely tell. Yeah. Um, the special effects were done by Derek Meddings. I think we've talked about him a little bit. We haven't talked about him a ton, but he's definitely, he's been with the franchise since like the seventies. He creates mm-hmm. a lot of the miniatures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was his last one. This was his last, uh, this was his last movie, I think, but he died in 90. Uh, he died before the movie was released. I think mm-hmm. he died in like 95, but it was before mm-hmm. the movie was released. Um, but he's done it. He's, he did a lot of the Bond films in the seventies, but he also worked on Superman, 1978, Superman, uh, 89 Batman. 
And he also played Dr. Stinson in Spies Like Us. Uh, mm. Maybe that's the John Landis connection. I don't mm-hmm. fucking know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. They're like, hey, Derek. Derek's like, hey, man, my, my friend John mm-hmm. would really like to direct a Bond film. I kind of want to see a John Landis Bond film now, though, that we now that we've talked about I don't it. know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Spies Like Us was like, that's what we would get. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck if I know. Um, we'd have like Bond like farting on people as they're taking a test. Probably. But... Probably. <laughs> Spies Like Us. I'm sure so many people that listen to this have seen Spies Like Us. Mm-hmm. Um, so some, I'll get into a little bit of this. What I found on the stunts. Uh, for the car chase at the beginning, which is the... Uh, it's it's uh, Famke John... Is it Famke? It's Famke, right? It's Famke. Famke? Famke. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I think it's Famke Jansen or... Yeah, Famke Jansen. I although like that's what I've heard. Our uh, friends from the Netherlands assure us that it has to be Famke Janssen because they well, do that. It could but, be. But the problem is, I think we Americanize things, and mm-hmm. and I think Americanizing things is fine, especially for somebody like who's in the who's acting and mm-hmm. they have their certain name that they go by that people recognize them by. And there was a video I saw a while back. She was on Conan or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Or Jimmy Kimmel, I don't know who it was, mm-hmm. but but they but he but they were like, will you tell me how your name is pronounced? Is it Famka Jansen? And she just nods. Now, she could also have just been being nice. There's always the possibility mm-hmm. that she didn't want to like correct him on, and she doesn't want to go through the whole thing of people going Famka Jansen all the time or mm-hmm. whatever. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, Famka at least is right. So. I wouldn't be surprised at all if she just decided to go by Jansen. I, I wouldn't be surprised like, if her agent was like, you need to go by Jansen yeah, because nobody's yeah. going to pronounce this right. Well, and the only uh, reason I even know the Famka is I believe mm-hmm. her name was announced in Deep Rising's trailer. So that's mm-hmm. the only thing that I remember. Well, my mom's family, for instance, my mom's maiden name, they're uh, Vi, but mm-hmm. it's uh, they're Italian, but it's V-I-A. So mm-hmm. everybody says Via. Oh, yeah. So my uncles, both of my uncles, both of my mom's brothers, they moved closer to like the West Coast. One's in Colorado, one's in California. Mm-hmm. And uh, they started going by Via, which royally pissed my grandparents off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a that was a fun time period in our, yeah. in our family's lives. I'm sure. But, uh, but I probably would, too. If people just, if that's all they would call me, I'd probably, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the name. It's like forever I've been saying Steve Buscemi, but apparently you don't put that shh part in there. It's Buscemi. Oh, interesting. It's Steve Buscemi, but I don't think he corrects people on it or anything. So, I guess not. Uh, so we're going to go with Fonka Jansen. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Um, it, the seed at the beginning though with her and uh, and and Brosnan and Bond, uh, they're kind of doing like a little car chase. I mean, it's not really a car chase. I mean, he's not like after her at that point. Just that seems really weird, by the mm-hmm. way. I don't know how he just happens to come up on her, mm-hmm. but uh, they had to. Uh, uh, she was driving a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in an Aston uh, Martin DB5. Uh, they had to attach nails to the Ferrari's tires so it would skid. Hmm. And at least in one of the takes, the cars did collide. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, the tank chase was the biggest thing. That was the hardest thing for them to film. It took well, it wasn't the hardest thing for them to film. It took the longest. It took six weeks to film. Uh, they modified it with a fake explosive, like reactive armor, because it was like a tank they had borrowed. Like mm-hmm. they didn't own it or anything. They just borrowed it. And uh, I mean, they might have had to pay for it, but I mean, but they it, it wasn't theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they they uh, they had to change the tracks too. They had to make them rubber because if they hadn't, they would have destroyed all the streets in St. Petersburg. When mm-hmm. they, 
Yeah. That is that is a that is a that is a memorable sequence. Oh uh, yeah, I love where the the statues on top. <laughs> like it's just mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and then that tank is on display at Old Buckingham Airfield. It's in the East England Military Museum. If you ever happen to be there, uh, you mm-hmm. can go look at that tank. So the antenna cradle fight uh, was inspired by Bond and Red Grant from from Russia with Love. Uh, Brosnan and um, I almost said Buscemi. Brosnan and mm-hmm. Sean Bean. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sean Bean. We haven't talked about him yet, but he plays like the main villain. Uh, they uh, they did almost all the stunts. The only thing they didn't do was there's a part in that where they get thrown up against a wall, and uh, they they use stuntmen from that. Brosnan did like damage his hand. I don't. Did he break it? Did I write that? He just injured his hand really bad to where he was out of commission for a, like a few days or something. But it wasn't in the fight. Mm-hmm. It was when that ladder extended. Something he did something and he broke his. He mm. messed up his hand on that. I imagine so. It looks. I mean, even even as a stunt, that looks like paint looked yeah. painful. Well, and they're like falling down mm-hmm. steps and all kinds of stuff. And like I was. Su- I mean, not the. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like stunts are going to be painful yeah. a lot. I don't mean to say that. I just mean like as a as something that they you put your primary actor in, and you and usually you think all the safeguards are involved. Yeah. It looked painful even for that. Well, that it's always, but it's always like something silly that actually gets you injured. Like it's like a yeah, it's like yeah, a ba- yeah. baseball injuries. Like I just say that because those seem to always be the dumbest things. Like people like running over their foot with a lawnmower and crap like that. Like that's mm-hmm. it's never yeah, like if we believe they're telling the truth about <laughs> that's it. True. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Or you get you get beat up by Tony Catania and you can't you can't pitch opening night. Yeah, there's that. There's also that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> R.I.P. Tony Catania, by the way. Uh, yep. So uh, the bungee jump at the beginning of the film was voted the best movie stunt of all time in a, I don't know what Sky mm. Movies is, but they did a 2002 poll. Uh, mm-hmm. It set a record. Uh, it was in the Guinness. I don't know if it still is. I assume so. But it's, uh, I guess it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. The highest bungee jump off a fixed structure, which I believe it. That looks terrifying. It's incredible. It's a 700 foot drop, yeah. apparently. 722 feet. This guy jumps yeah, off. Wayne Michaels. And, yeah. His name. And the other thing that he's talking about in this, uh, in the limited behind mm-hmm. the scenes of this disc is that. You know, he had first off they had to they had to do a lot of stuff with the shocks on the bungee cord because mm-hmm. no matter what, there was there was going to be a lot of force pressed onto the cord and it, and I think it would like it was going to it would snap if they didn't do anything they didn't do the safeguards that they did and of course the other part of it is is that the wind starts becoming a big factor mm-hmm. too and uh, so apparently like. He's jumping off of this thing, and the wind is just like trying to swirl him around, and he's got to keep it straight all the way down. And then he has to have the presence of mind to pull that gun out mm-hmm. so that it looks like he's shooting that whatever the Bond is shooting out mm-hmm. or whatever. I was like, it's a really, really impressive stunt for sure. No doubt about it. Yeah, this is like some of the better stunt work I think we've seen in a Bond movie. For I mean, there's great stunt work in all of them, but I just... Mm-hmm. We were talking so much about like we we I feel like we talked less about the stunt work like in the '80s movies because they're just I, mm-hmm. they were more I guess those movies were a little more like gunfights and drama and all that kind of stuff. This one they kind of brought back like the really big stuff. Uh, the mm-hmm. biggest though, like the craziest thing, uh, it's insane. <laughs> is the <laughs> I, by the way I hated this scene in 1995 so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Now I I like it better, but I, but especially after reading about what they did. But uh, so there's a scene in the opening. If you for some reason haven't seen it, and you're listening to this. Bond rides a motorcycle. And 
there's a plane. I don't know how to explain this. There's a plane in front of him, <laughs> like mm-hmm. moving with no pilot. He's riding a motorcycle mm-hmm. past it. Does is it the dam or whatever? Is that what it's falling? Or I guess it's like a mountain or no? It's just a, it's just off of a mountain yeah, okay. cliff or whatever. So the plane goes off the mountain and starts like going down. And then mm-hmm. Bond jumps off the motorcycle, and then ju- I mean the motorcycle jumps, and then he jumps off the motorcycle, skydives, catches up with the plane, <laughs> mm-hmm. gets in there, <laughs> and like and, and ends up living. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, B.J. Worth was a stuntman who dived. Uh, he's the because they had different they had somebody different riding the motorcycle. The guy riding the motorcycle had a had a parachute. And so when he mm-hmm. jumped off, which it's crazy. Did you, did they talk about that? Like how many motorcycles they crashed? Because they, no, <laughs> they used several motorcycles. I didn't get a number, but it was, nobody could say the number, but it was several. But what's funny is they had to like, because I don't know what that area was. It was, I guess that was in Russia. I can't remember where they were, but whatever that area was, they had to go after they were done after the few days of shooting, they had to go down there and pick up all the motorcycle parts. And they said it was insane. Oh, wow. It was just absolutely I insane. Uh, Cause the motorcycle mm-hmm. obviously would just drop. Uh, so, so he's and but then after that, then B.J. Worth does the skydiving part, and then they used miniatures and they they uh, did a cast of Brosnan and they they filmed him in front of like a, I don't know if it's green screen but it was something like they filmed him in front of something. They were for a second. Campbell says for a second they really were trying to figure out if B.J. Worth could catch up with the plane and get in there. Like they were really mm-hmm. they were try which is a which sounds like a Bond movie, right? Uh, I think yeah. in the 60s, that's what they would have done. <laughs> Somebody probably would have died. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. they eventually decided not to do that. Uh, but they also put a par- I, I I don't know how much you heard about it. They put a parachute on the plane, I, I read somewhere, or some kind of device to like slow it down, too. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like I said, and then obviously there's 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 yeah they didn't get into the nuts yeah. and bolts of it they uh, they 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 brought you to the scene as they were getting shot and they kind of described what was happening but nothing into the detail of the uh, making ofs that I yeah. had been seeing all the way up until this point so it's still pretty silly uh, so no I didn't hear anything yeah yeah it is it's very silly look but I like it better now the the yeah i like it better too it's it's a perfect capper to that opening scene but like you're sitting there going if you just simply wrote it where he (laughs) didn't do that and he mowed all the guys down or he hid or something you would have been fine with that too like as far as like you know because because willingly jumping off of that mountain to chase down a plane that's that's crashing that's that's a probably equal that's probably more than more dangerous than just facing all those dudes know. you know <laughs> so i'm like i, I don't getting know. kidnapped I, and I, put I mean, in prison until somebody could come get him but, out i mean but then of course you ask me what do i want more do i want him to jump off the mountain and chase down a plane or do i want him to mow down a bunch of dudes on the top of the mountain i'm gonna pick the stunt no, every time uh, they went for the it thing. they they absolutely went yeah. for it and i gotta give them credit for that i appreciate that more as a 46 year old that i did as a, a 20 20 how old was i 19 i was 19 <laughs> i couldn't remember mm-hmm. by the way this is a this is the, you know we you know we're talking about this thing this is one of my one of my favorite things that i've noticed during doing the sins video for this this movie you start off with this giant jump off of a dam and he goes mm-hmm. down into this what is an underground facility yeah. or whatever by the time it's over, he's somehow on top of a mountain. 
where did that, where did that come from? I didn't even think about he that. Just jumped, didn't even think about that. He jumps. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, like, how did that? Now, I, I remember writing this Sims video because I was like, this could end up being argumentative because we don't know the terrain. We don't know if he jumped down to this one thing and went into this underground facility and then somehow... I, I don't know. They go up a mountain, and, and I don't know. It was it was one of those weird things That's that was great. fun to to point out. That'd be great. Like it's uh, one of those things. If you don't write out, any, yeah. I would just like if you don't write any sense about him jumping in the plane, but just complain about the fact that he was on a mountain. That's a, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that sends in there. If you want to, if you want to review it, if you want to review it, it's uh, it's a, it's a fun little one. There's another one too where they, where he and Sean Bean decide to, they're 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 going down further into the facility, and then yeah. the next scene that you see them is they're pushing a grate up from somewhere. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you just were going down. <laughs> Why are you going up now? Anyway. Oh my god. Mm. That's funny. Mm-hmm. There's this scene in Raising. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen Raising Cane recently? Or I mean, is it? Have you seen Raising Cane? No, Kane? but I loved Raising Cane. Oh, it's Kane. great. I loved it when but I saw it. It's definitely like it's. I don't believe that it's a straight up. I mean, I don't really buy that it's like overall a dark comedy. But he definitely. There's definitely humor in it. And one of my favorite scenes is where the doctor. She's walking with the two like cops or whatever, and she's telling them about uh, his mental and issues. But like mm-hmm. they're walking through this building, they go upstairs and then they go downstairs and then they go upstairs mm-hmm. again. It's like this like <laughs> six minute sequence, and it's so fun. I, I didn't catch it forever, and then I actually looked I bet, up something. I bet if you, huh? Oh, you looked something up on it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just read that other people noticed it. Um, oh, other yeah. people. Know, I thought you were about to say De Palma meant to do that or well, something I mean, like to like. I think he had to have though, right? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just it like yeah. could he be making fun of scenes? Like, I mean, but it's still. I don't know. I love that movie, by the way. It's awesome. Um, yeah. But that's just what that made me think of when you were talking about that, because and that probably does happen more than we even notice. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'll just a couple more things in the production. There was a before we get into the cast and stuff. There was a BMW in this film. It was part of a three. They had a lot of product placement in this one, by the way. Uh, yeah. part of the refilm deal they made with BMW. Uh, this was the BMW Z3. Uh, there was a limited edition 007 model that sold out in the first day. They made it available to order. So I can't imagine mm-hmm. how much that mm-hmm. was. Uh, and then the other thing I'll mention, uh, Maurice Binder. Uh. He is no longer involved. He passed away. Uh, so uh, Daniel Kleinman uh, mm-hmm. took over the the opening credits. Uh, I think he does a really good job, and it's awesome. Uh, the 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 opening credits of this are take the take the sort of the mm-hmm. old way of old classic Bond titles, and then turn it into something else, uh, it, like art, mm-hmm. like more artistic even. Uh, like there's a lot of like just mm-hmm. wild stuff going on in these opening credits that they kind of messed with earlier, but not to this point. Like you know, there's you have the you have the the woman with the mm-hmm. face turns around. There's another face. She opens her mouth. Yeah. A gun comes out of it. It's know, really like cool. It's of, really cool. Uh, like really uh, cool. He also yeah. he was trying to show also there like it's the fall of the communism. In, in Russia, it's like you see Stalin mm-hmm. and you know stuff like that. It's it's it is it's one of my favorite uh, opening title sequences, and they kind of play around with those. I feel like in all the Brosnan ones, I don't remember exactly what they do in the next two, but Die Another Day, they do something completely different. I don't think it works, but they at least were trying to mess with the formula a little bit uh, with all that. Let's mm-hmm. get in the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already kind of talked about Pierce Brosnan. Um, 
he was uh, he was obviously he was offered the role uh, in the '80s. He had taken it, but then uh, he had a contract with Remington Steel, uh, the TV show that he was really well known for at the time. And uh, we talked about that on the Living Daylights podcast. If you want to go back and listen, to that I won't get into the details, but uh, there was some there was some fuckery, and uh, he didn't get to do Living Daylights. But now he's mm-hmm. available. Uh, I already yep. mentioned Mrs. Doubtfire and Love Affair. That's kind of what he had been doing was like supporting roles. He had he had a few starring roles, but when you but they're like TV movies or like direct to video movies stuff like that. Uh, although he did this TV movie called Murder One Hundred One, which I really like. I wish they would do like a Blu-ray mm. release of that or something. But anyways, uh, Sean Bean plays the main bad guy, Alec Trevelyan. This has to be the first time I've ever seen Sean Bean before. Yeah, I looked it up. So I know I, I you had seen, but Patriot Games I think was the first eh, time I, guess I saw so. him. Patriot Games would be the but first. But I didn't really time, think yeah. about him. Like I did. I don't remember watching Goldeneye and being like, "Hey, that's the guy from Patriot." Games. Right. <laughs> like, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, so pretty much the first time he had not done much before this. He's also after this, though, of course, uh, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. uh, Ronan, uh, and of course, National Treasure. I think is a, probably a pretty memorable uh, role yeah. for him, even that movie's silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, also Fight Flight Plan. Obviously, Flight. How can you not mention and, Flight Plan? Yeah, Such well, and Game of Thrones, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, um, of course, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. and and, uh, <laughs> and uh, the Martian and stuff like that. He's the Martian, of course, well, of stuff. Well, well established at this point. Yes, but Flight Plan is easily his best film. Flight Plan. So. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I can't. I can't. I'm trying to like. I always think about that. Like, what great trailer disappointed me the most when I saw the movie? I'm pretty sure it's Flight Plan. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That trailer looked awesome. Me- <laughs> it just looked like it, it looked like a really cool point. thriller. I mean, that's one of those movies that tells you that the premise is so great, but there's no way yeah. you can possibly pay this off. That's in that a, is true. So it, and, it so and that's. It I mean. You, you, no matter what explanation you come up for, or come up with, oh, she's crazy is not a good explanation. You know, like the thing that they came up with obviously isn't a good explanation. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or like a good enough one for that premise. Anyway. Yeah, I know, but you're just like you're like Jodie Foster's in this though. It's got to be good, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're still at that we're still at that time where if Jodie Foster's in it, we like mm-hmm. it has to be good, but yeah. it, it was not. I don't know why we were like that. I mean, Nim's Island had come out, I think, at that point. No, oh, yeah. But, <laughs> Uh, Isabella uh, Scorpuco, I'm going to go with? Scorpco, I think, but I don't know. Scorpco. Oh, that makes sense. Um, So, uh, definitely the first time I'd seen her. She she has not really had, like, a a huge career. She did, it was weird, though. Like, she didn't do much after this until, like, 2000. But then, like, in the early 2000s, she was in Vertical Limit. She was in Reign of Fire and Exorcist the Beginning, which (laughs) were all, like, big studio movies. None of them were... Yeah, uh, Vertical I mean, Limit. Rain of Fire, I don't Martin think, was Campbell a bomb. Movie. Martin, Campbell, huh? Vert- Martin Campbell did Vertical Limit, so like that sort oh, of Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He did Vertical Limit. Um, yeah. And then I guess Exorcist the Beginning, so I don't know, because I've never seen the Paul Schrader version of that, so I don't know if she was in that or if that was somebody Rennie Harlan brought in. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but but uh, but she hasn't done much. She's still acting, but she's mostly done like television and stuff. You mean, uh, our, you just, mean our friend our friend and pal, yeah, our friend Rennie Harlan. Harlan, friend of the podcast. Right, right, right. Well, yeah. friend of mm-hmm. an older podcast, Rennie Harlan. Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, she plays Natalia, uh, Simonova. Um, I'll probably, I don't know. She's, I like her. I'm, I'm kind of surprised she, I don't know. I, I kind of wish she had had a bigger career cause she's, mm-hmm. she's good in this. Um, mm-hmm. she's, she's got a nice screen presence. Uh, Fomka Jansen. Um, I, so Lord of Illusions came out this year, same year. Yep. I don't yep. remember what came first. 
I didn't uh, look it up. I believe Lord of Illusions did. I think so too. Uh, because Goldeneye because, was like November. Yeah. yeah, it had to have. It had to have then. I mean, it's possible that it was one of those December horror dumps. Yeah, I I knew. I think it was like I'm going to say it was like early fall or end of summer. Uh, but anyways, or maybe it was even. It could have been even like late spring. I mean, who knows? Uh, uh, it came out in August. Okay, so yeah, it came out a few months before. I also I knew her though because she was in a Star Trek Next Generation episode. Uh, hmm. I think it's called The Perfect Mate. I think is what it's called. But uh, okay. Yeah, and she she played the the perfect mate. Um, of course, episode. of course she did. Uh, Man, what since else then, was she gonna be? You know, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, I I still wish she'd have. I wish she had. I I don't know. I just wish she had like headlined some stuff. I I just feel like the she's got a lot of talent that was never really used well by you know. No. And, and um. But she's in a she's in the first uh, few X Men movies, uh, the the mm-hmm. the Brian Singer and uh, the uh, fucking what Brett Ratner uh, those yeah. three. I can't. Is she in Days of Future? I think she is. Well, she's also she pops up I, in at least one or two of the Wolverine movies. So she plays uh, Jean Grey in the X Men movies. Yeah. Uh, she's also uh, Deep Rising, uh, The Faculty, uh, House of Haunted Hill, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she yep. plays one of my favorite character names, uh, Xenia Onatope. Yep. By or the way, it, she no, is in... Is it Xenia? No, it's... She, she is in Days of Future Past, by the way. Um, oh, okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Xenia Onatope. Xenia. That's right. Xenia Onatope. I love that mm-hmm. name. That is a very yep. clever name. Uh, yep. Jodan Baker, a.k.a. Mitchell. Uh, he mm-hmm. plays... Mitchell. He plays Jack Wade. Uh, <laughs> uh, Baker was in Living Daylights. We talked about him just a couple weeks ago. He was one of the mm-hmm. bad guys in Living Daylights. Uh, so it's kind of yeah. weird. Whitaker. General Whitaker or something. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. he's like, he was the guy selling guns. Uh, now mm-hmm. he's like a, CIA, a big CIA guy. Uh, he yeah, pops he's, up... Uh, uh, He's like American comic relief. He's like, uh, you know, he's like Felix Leiter, yeah, but not the, Felix Leiter anymore. Yeah, they just didn't. They chose not to have Felix Leiter in, and they they used him instead. I don't. I don't. I didn't actually. I couldn't find anything on why they did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what they did. Uh, he's fine though. Uh, he's only in a couple scenes, anyways. But he shows yeah. up. Uh, if you if you didn't listen to Living Daylights episode, he was also he's been in a bunch of stuff. I I knew him mostly like when I was younger. I knew him from Fletch. Yeah, uh, and then he in the '91 uh, version of uh, Cape Fear. Those are kind of the, mm-hmm. and then eventually, yeah, the, yes, the, MST3K. Uh, Mitchell. The, uh, the, yeah, the natural for me. That was the Joe Don Baker that I grew up with. Was the natural played the whammer? Oh yeah, that's right. He was in the natural. He's the one that he strikes out at the beginning, right? Plays the whammer. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. He also was in. We mentioned this earlier, but just in case, the case I cut that for some reason, he was also in the Edge of Darkness miniseries that Martin Campbell directed. Mm. So that mm-hmm. probably factored in. To, I would uh, say so. Yeah, uh, Robbie Coltrane, who I love, who's uh, fantastic. I know. Fantastic. Wish he was in more. I think he comes back too, right? I know Jodan Baker comes back. I feel like he comes back too. I think that's right. Uh, but, I think that's right. Uh, he's Valentin Zukovsky, and I like. I love that line too, where uh, he's uh, Brosnan's talking to uh, Joe Don Baker, or you know Bond's talking to Jack Wade, and Jack Wade mentions somebody, and then you know Bond's like, "You mean Valentin Zukovsky?" He's like, "Yeah, you heard of him?" He's like, "I gave him the limp." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He <laughs> comes back in. The, he comes back in. The world is not enough. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Uh, 
Robbie Coltrane, I knew him mostly at that like uh, European vacation and Nuns on the Run. Those were the two movies I knew him in. <laughs> yep. Uh, but probably yep. most people know him from Harry Potter, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, these days. Yes, these days. Uh, I don't... Tshiseki Cairo, I'm going to go with. Uh, I don't know. Don't know this one. He plays Dimitri Mishkin. Uh, this is kind of an interesting, like, how they kind of do... They're, they're trying to, like, show kind of how the end of the Cold War, where you've got this Mishkin guy who's really trying to keep peace and... He's really trying to, you know, do the right thing, and then you've got the 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 uh, the the general Orimov or whatever is like the evil guy that's trying to, you know, undermine everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I thought I knew him from some stuff, but like I looked up his credits, and maybe I just seen him and something I forgot. But he's in he's in Bad Boys, but I, maybe that's where I remember him from. Uh, mm-hmm. He's also in Wing Commander, which I didn't see. <laughs> and, uh, but, Wing Commander. Wow. He was in fourteen ninety two. That movie that famously tried to put a Star Wars was no, that wasn't it. I have not seen it. Was it? See, there was so there was a there was a um, a movie that came out that famously put a Star Wars trailer attached on oh. it. That uh, I don't that, know. Uh, so I, it was that Wing Commander that had Freddie mm-hmm. Prinze Jr. and Matthew, mm-hmm. Matthew Lillard and whatever, um, and they came out with a trailer on that particular movie now you're talking about a wing commander probably a voice in the game or something mm-hmm. maybe i don't know but is that what you're talking about no for no this guy? the movie the movie wing commander fresh off of wing commander no i'm saying he was in wing commander he was just oh i thought you said he had just no, done no, no, it he or was something and that he came to yeah yeah okay but yeah the the wing commander movie put a star wars trailer on on it so that people oh go i watch have heard this wing story commander. yes and so the the what ended up happening i don't think it was nearly as big as they were hoping but there were people who were buying tickets to wing commander and seeing the trailer and then oh yeah i believe it i mean i've heard it's like horror it's one of the Mm. worst movies ever so i've just never taken it unless we send it or something one of these days i probably won't watch it yeah yeah Uh, so then you have going now to general orimov you have godfrey john uh he's a german actor uh he's i i'm not a i haven't watched a lot i don't know if i've watched any of the the rainer werner uh, werner fastbinder films but he's a very famous uh filmmaker i've seen one yeah. i've seen one ali fear eats the soul i don't know if he was in that yeah one, but, I, um, he, he that might have been he I've was seen. in like seven or something of the movies but he he collaborated with him so that was what he was most over he's mm-hmm. mostly done like german films and stuff he he has not done a lot of american uh stuff he's 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 got the face of a bad guy though <laughs> like i don't mean that yes mean. yes he does but uh mm-hmm. i yeah. know what you mean uh alan cumming uh sir was in circle of friends but right before this and then uh, after this, he did Romeo and Michelle, Spice World. He's in one of the X-Men movies, uh, first couple mm-hmm. of Spy Kid films. But he plays uh, Boris Grzynko, uh, one of the... And, of course, obviously in X2. X2 that's where a yep. lot of people yep. knew him as Night, Night, Nightcrawler. Um, uh, and then in that uh, defunct Zero Effect series that we never mm. got to see. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, can you watch that pilot? Is it like available to watch? Have you ever seen it? I bet you can these days. You bet if you look around, you can. I mean, find it probably it. wasn't good. I mean, I mean, if some, I mean, most of the time, if any, if something's actually good, it does at least get like on TV for a second. Yeah. I don't know, but who knows? Right. Um, Michael Kitchen plays Tanner, which I thought was interesting. Um, Tanner is becomes a bit of I don't know if he's like a used more, but Tanner sticks around for the Craig films too. It's not Michael Kitchen in the Craig films. It's Rory, Rory Kinnear. Uh, but uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a character from the books, but he was only in a couple of Bond mm-hmm. films before this. Uh, 
uh, he was in the man with the, the character was in the man with the golden gun and for your eyes only it was played by completely different people uh but mm-hmm. um but yeah so he but he plays him in this one uh he's he wasn't in much around that time but he was he was in the russia house uh stuff like yeah <laughs> Um, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Desmond Llewellyn is actually back. Uh, he is the... Uh, yep. Well, unless you count Joe Don Baker, I guess. But Desmond Llewellyn is like the only person back playing a character that he's played before. Because uh, they recast Elm and they recast Moneypenny and they recasted Bond. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, Desmond Llewellyn's back. This will be his last... He, he he dies after... I mean, real life, the actor died after uh, World is Not Enough. So we've only got him for a couple mm-hmm. more weeks, which is really sad. Yeah. Because I like Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. Uh, he's quite good in this. In the couple scenes he's in, he's quite good in this. Oh yeah, he's. He, I mean, they they give him a, a very naked gun esque. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy in this movie. That's my that's yeah. my lunch. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. yep. We talked about this a little. Bit. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know if this actually will make it into the podcast. But we did mention this last week that Samantha Bond is the actress that plays Buddy yeah. Penny, and it's like mm-hmm. it's like it. You have to wonder, like, like I'm. She's good. Like, I mean, she's not a bad actor or anything. But I do wonder if it got down to like her and a few more people. If they were just like, hmm, <laughs> let's yeah. go with the one with the last <laughs> yeah, name yeah. of Bond. Uh, right, right. Which, which, good for her because I feel like a lot of people out there would have not cast her because of that. Because uh, they would have been, oh, people are going to think yeah. we're you know just casting her because of her last name. Um, Judy Dench. We mentioned mm-hmm. her a little bit earlier. We both said this probably was the first time we ever saw her in anything. Um, she had done a few things. She had done stuff before this, obviously, but just nothing that we would have watched at that age. I wasn't watching like Henry V and A Room with a View <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, when I was like 10 mm-hmm. or whatever. But after this, you know, obviously she wins an Oscar for Shakespeare in Love. Uh, I still think that's the shortest amount of screen time, right? It's it's up there if it's not, yeah. At least I think for that maybe that, right. that that category or whatever, because um, she's in like eight minutes yeah. or ten minutes. It's 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 not long. Judy <laughs> Dench, my favorite Judy Dench though, I think is notes on a scandal because she is just she's really like dark. Oh in yeah, that. like it's um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I really like notes on a scandal. That movie isn't talked about enough. Uh yeah. She uh she plays Elm, and uh, so we have a female M, which you know uh. And they do mention her predecessor, so they do they do make it seem like she's just a new hire, or not new, but like she's she's taking over the the elm, whatever that is. Yeah, and this is uh this is a another I think way that they try to get Bond into yeah. the '90s is they have him with a female boss who is telling him that she's not she's on to his bullshit and you know but at, at, i love and we're, we'll get into the review later but i love the scene that she oh. has with him saying i don't have any compunction about sending you out to your death uh but i do want you yeah, to stay come scene. back alive you know it's it so it's such a great scene and a great uh understanding between the two that i may not like you but i want you to come back alive and I think it goes back a little bit to the relationship that Connery's bond had with him because mm-hmm. that at times almost felt like a father son. Yeah. And I wouldn't say she's, I don't, I don't want that to sound degrading that I'm saying she's like a mother, but I'm, but just, I'm just, but it does feel more like a, like, I don't know. She's got two sides, right? I mean, she's, yeah. she's not afraid to do the job that she has to do, but obviously she does want him to come back. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to lose anybody, Yeah, but but she also, if she has to send him to his death, she has no problem doing that. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's a cool, 
it's it's a very cool scene. It's a scene I I like more every time I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, she sticks around too. Obviously, she is in a, the first three Craig films. Um, and I, which I remember at the time when I watched Casino Royale, I thought it was really weird they kept her on because mm-hmm. it was like, well, if this isn't supposed to be like the last ones, and this is like Bond when he's starting off. Yeah, yeah. How is she ill? Like yeah, that, it was you know, really weird. It's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And and they were obviously just rebooting from fresh, which is fine. But when you had her in the Brosnan films, then you put her in that as the same character. It just, I don't know. It's a little well, weird. They, but they, I'm glad. I'm well, glad. they do a lot of that stuff, right? Where they, they yeah, kind they of... Do. Th- they kind of go through not only the reboot stuff, but then they keep things from the others. Like at the very yeah. end of, of No Time to Die, they're in that hallway and you see Bernard Lee and you see Judy yeah. Dench. You see their pictures oh, or right. their paintings or whatever. So like, <laughs> that's right. So they so they they keep the continuity of all the M's. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, you're no, you're. I totally forgot about that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And then I'll just mention uh, real quick, Serena Gordon, uh, she plays the woman at the beginning. I mean, she doesn't have much to do in the movie, but she, I felt bad like not mentioning her. Just I mentioned all the other actors and mm-hmm. speaking parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like somebody that's supposed to be evaluating Bond and yeah. they end up having sex. Right. Even after he tells her that Fomka Jansen is the next woman. Right, right. Like, <laughs> right. Well, and, and not only do Some they have... never change. Not only do they have sex after that, they have sex <laughs> on... While, while the car is parked on this weird winding street... <laughs> yeah. That I, that also happens. So I mean, yeah, it's sex in an Aston Martin. That that would not be comfortable. Can't be good. There's no way. Can't be good. <laughs> There's no way. Maybe Bond. Maybe Bond has had just had that much sex that it being maybe in an Aston so. Martin not a big deal. Maybe not. Uh, and then I will mention again. We already mentioned her. Mini Driver has a pretty memorable scene in this. I mean, it's silly, but she's you know she's Mini Driver. She 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 handles it very well. Yeah, she's Valentine uh, Zakowski's mistress or whatever. Yes, who's yeah, singing? That's, right. that's my mistress. S- yeah, singing on uh, the stage very badly. Irina is her mm-hmm. name. Uh, but she we mentioned she was in Circle of Friends with uh, with uh, Alan Cumming. Uh, that was also Matt Damon. Uh, he was in Circle of Friends was too. He? So that was. Yeah, I don't let even remember that. that now. now that you say that, let me just make sure I'm right on that. I think it is because I think that was one of the first times I saw him too. I mean, he was in School Ties. Mm-hmm. I think him and Affleck both are in School Ties. Oh no, you're right. It's not. It's not Damon. It's Chris. It's yeah, Chris O'Donnell. It's Chris O'Donnell. Which I, you know, whatever. I got I, at that time period. They're the same person as far as I'm concerned. Very much so. <laughs> They became two very different actors, but at that time, I mean, yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. like if you were like Matt Damon played Robin and Batman and Robin, I'd be like, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense. And Matt Damon was famously <laughs> in The Bachelor as well, so that was also <laughs> another movie that he was in. Mm. Yeah, mm. and Chris O'Donnell was great in Good Will Hunting. Yeah, um, he was. He was. Uh, yeah, sorry. So the music, uh, so the GoldenEye theme song, which I, I sent Chris like a message yesterday when I was watching this, like, holy shit, I forgot that Bono and the Edge wrote this song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so they write this, the GoldenEye theme song called GoldenEye. It is performed by the awesome Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ace of Base had written a song. Really? Uh, that they were trying, yeah, they, 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 I guess they, maybe they contracted them too, just to, I don't know, but they wrote a song. It didn't get picked up, obviously, but if you want to hear a version of that, they, they, it's called the juvenile. It's, it's, I don't know what album it's on. I don't know anything about Ace of Base, but mm-hmm. if you're an Ace of Base fan or you're curious, it's called the juvenile. That's somewhat what would have been the Bond song. But I, mm-hmm. I feel what I read, it sounds like they changed it up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Sarah uh, composed the score. Uh, 
that is probably the most like the most criticism of this movie that I was I would, about that to I say, read. man. This I was like, this <laughs> score is fucking awful. What is going on with this, man? <laughs> that, that, that that like techno thing or whatever. Yeah, in the car chase. and it happens throughout, like in really big scenes, and I was like okay there's a reason why this dude did not continue on i'm sure yeah. i don't know if i don't think he went on to the other bonds after this i don't i don't believe he did either he, the the closing credits song he wrote too which is he, horrible yeah <laughs> yes it's so bad i i know I, I don't mean to speak ill of people like i'm just saying i'm just saying it just stood out in this movie how bad it was like he fucked up the Bond theme. Yeah, like he fucked yeah, it up. Like how do you fuck up awful. the Bond? Just, just play the Bond theme. Like how mm-hmm. other like just play. Uh, is it John Barry? It's, I'm already yeah, forgetting. John Barry's the area. Yeah. Just play his theme. Like, just yeah, why? why? Why are we well, changing things? I can see, too, like, I mean, Hans Zimmer did, I mean, Hans Zimmer did that thing with the Mission Impossible theme. All this is a year later, but. Um, yeah where where he that was okay though where he infused some more modern sensibilities yes. to it but this okay i'm gonna this is what it felt like to me <laughs> you know like some really cheap 90s movie that you know went straight to video or something that's what that soundtrack feels like to me it only picks up like there's a couple of moments at the end where i'm like oh okay there's some real like instrumentation and stuff that makes sense but there's so much like weird like subdued key keyboard music in this i don't know what the (laughs) fuck it is but i was like i hope i'm not crazy because this really sounds shitty to me no it was voted in a, a couple of different polls as the worst score ever in the bond franchise uh, oh one critic God. said one critic said it would have fit better on an elevator ride than a bond film yeah no i mean seriously uh, this this gives me so much like i don't know i'm so glad that this is this has happened because i was really wondering <laughs> was i crazy or is this horrible like it, it makes no sense and campbell mentioned it he didn't really talk directly like he didn't say he didn't like it but he did kind of make a comment along the lines of we really didn't have time to do anything about it <laughs> like, yeah so- i mean we're, we're like we said we're sitting there talking about a movie that they're doing the big stunts in march of 95 for a movie that's <laughs> coming out in november <laughs> you know of course they didn't have time they're all just like, God damn it, Eric Sarah. Yeah. But we have to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor guy. I, yeah, I'm sure he's a lovely man. Yeah. <laughs> and he may have but great scores. scores other, he may have great scores other other places. He might. Or, or scores that are good for the movie that they're in. But my uh, God, man. I was real I really was like, man, this score <laughs> stands out as very bad. Usually I would have heard this and I would I would just kind of notice. Yeah. This time, I really just noticed on my own without any kind of, without any kind of like beforehand research or anything. Um, reviews at the time, uh, they were mostly positive. Uh, people really liked Brosnan. People really liked Judy Dench, and they loved that you know they made Elm and Woman. And I mean, which it's interesting. If we'd had Twitter then, though, oh my god, I can't oh, even I imagine. Know. I know. Uh, and then, but there were negative reviews. Negative reviews mostly revolved mostly were like stuff like they people just didn't feel like bond could work in the night it kind of felt like 
they just came into this going, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't. Yeah. Um, and then some people did complain about the score mm-hmm. that happened. All right. So I don't have anything else. That was a long, that was a long production thing, but we just had a lot to talk about with it being a six year gap and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. So are you ready to do the review? Yeah. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. We are going to give you our thoughts on whatever film we are discussing this week. This week we are discussing Goldeneye. I will say, I know you said you don't remember when you saw it, but I remember because we were friends at this point. Uh, this is definitely the first Bond film mm-hmm. that comes out when we know each other. So I do feel like we probably talked about mm-hmm. this. I, I I think I have memories of us. Like, this would have been, like, the first Bond film we would have discussed. Not that I have specific memories. I'm just saying in yeah. general. Like, it's interesting to talk right. about this one because mm-hmm. this is, like... And this is, this is right... We're both in college, and, I mean, this is kind of... Uh, when we're adults, this is our first Bond film as adults, I guess. And... Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what what did you what what did you think of it then and what do you think of it now I guess if if I remember correctly I didn't like this at all when it came out it 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 felt I don't know it felt I don't know what I was feeling at eighteen about a movie like this well I'll tell you this Fomka Jansen uh, is was something somebody who stood out I knew that I liked her a lot this is the first since uh, whoever played in Never Say Never Again. Who was that? Bar- was it Barbara? Yeah, Barbara. Is this since Barbara Carrera that I have? And that's not even a canon Bond film. Um, that I felt like somebody who was yeah. really adding a lot to their role that w- that maybe wasn't even written in. It could have been. I don't know. But um, seeing seeing someone who gets sexual charge out of like the killing and the all the different violence in the movie it's fucked up but it's also a great characterization that she's added to this and everything so uh so so she immediately memorable and then not just the name just all the physicality and the and the way she's playing that part so mm-hmm. i know i liked that a lot um but uh yeah i i i you know at 18 i don't remember like really liking this i don't think i was a big bond fan mm-hmm. at the time either i had seen a couple of timothy mm-hmm. daltons and i still don't remember how many connery or moores i had seen at this point maybe none um so uh so i know i didn't like it too much uh but over time i think i feel like i've seen this bond more than any of them oh nice uh of uh, because I don't know though I've, I've I send this movie too but I but there were like moments where I was like oh I know exactly what the line is gonna mm-hmm. be like you know exactly how they're gonna say it and all that so I know I've seen this quite a bit I've given it a lot of chances and overall I really really like this movie now um it's one of the best bonds I think um the opening sequence is one of the best if not the best i've seen uh on film like they have the opening damn sequence the the inside the facility where he does all that stuff where he gets on the he gets behind the oh, yeah. the, the barrels oh, so and good. then he and then he <laughs> 
and then he gets he he turns on the conveyor belt and then just starts shooting yeah. and he shoots down that case full of barrels coming out and, and everything so i love how he's using his head during all of this and like and then later on of course the it's ridiculous but it's a great moment in bond history that he he chases down that plane mm-hmm. and uh and grabs it and then flies mm-hmm. it out of there and then it goes right into that opening that great opening sequence the opening credit sequence where tina turner looks like it feels like shirley bassey is back uh the uh the 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 the, the way the titles are, are fucking amazing i love everything about that and that baseline um, that that bump, bump, the, bump. <laughs> it's amazing yeah yeah oh yeah it gives you chills and uh and then and then the story seems stripped down finally for once there's some complex things about it but i never once sat there and went how are they doing this or who how does this person relate to that person or you know i wasn't there wasn't ever any of that which was has been going on in a lot of the bond movies in the last few that we've we've gone over where i'm like what is yeah. going on in this, this movie, movie? Has a better pace. Nothing like There's a that much better in this. pace to this movie than yeah. it had been. And so, all of the Sean Bean stuff, where like all of his motivations and where those motivations come from, uh, uh, are not only satisfying to a Bond film, but they're they like I don't know they're considering they're uh, they're they're talking about this being the first like a post cold war bond movie it, it it to to make his grievance go all the way back to 1945 and the i guess the british ejection of these and there is it lisa cossack something there's some kind of they're they're kind of a uh they're some kind of cossack i can't yeah, remember he's what like it is their son, right? it's like it's like a yeah uh and and he's he's sort of like getting his revenge back on the british uh because of something that happened with mm-hmm. his parents back in 1945 really mm-hmm. fits into that whole post-cold war thing that they're talking about so like i love all these little uh, the 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 action sequences are in this are great the tank scene is great the uh the satellite at the end is great um you know uh, so so yeah, I think this is one of the best. I don't know where it fits. We're gonna, I guess, it, when we get done with this, we're gonna rank them. But it, just asking me like a knee jerk reaction, I think this is a top five. Maybe it's at oh, least yeah, it's top definitely 10. top half. I, yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was really excited about this because I was really into Bond mm-hmm. as a kid and. I was like keeping up with that news, like after License to Kill, uh, which I loved License to Kill. So I was just excited. Oh, when are they going to do the next one? You know, and then and then that kept getting dragged on. I remember when they finally announced they were doing this. I thought it was really cool. I was excited. I was also excited that Pierce Brosnan was going to get to do it. And I got to tell you, man, he is just from the moment he enters that movie, like he is fucking James Bond. Like I've never I don't think any of the Mm -hmm. actors have been that quick. Uh, and it, it probably has to do more with the writing and stuff like that too. Not he's a good, great actor, but I'm just saying like the writing helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually knew how to write a bond yeah. for him. I guess they knew exactly what he was bringing to the table. Remington Steele might have kind of helped that too because maybe I don't Could know. Be. But anyways, but it's 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 amazing. Like uh, he's just he's just got everything down like immediately. It seems like there's a scene too. It's in the trailer. I remember this cause I used to watch this trailer a million times. Uh, it was one of those 
they they you know they rocked up the yeah. Bond theme and they made it like a, one of those exciting super fast '90s trailers. And uh, but there's a real brief cut of him when he's messing with that bomb, and there's like mm-hmm. people shooting at him, at, and he's he's in front of that wall, and he kind of he kind of just like like moves his yeah. head a little bit, like oh I'm just gonna kind of dodge that. That's no big <laughs> deal. It's just bullets. No, you know like that scene right there tells yeah. you that he's Bond more than like anything. Like you're exactly right. He immediately is Bond. It's so it's 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 so weird how it how they couldn't they couldn't figure out Dalton really, but he comes yeah. in. Brosnan comes well, in and is just like the yeah. Guy and I guess I mean Live and Let Die is Roger Moore's. I mean Roger Moore's pretty pretty much into it. I guess from the beginning. I mean he'd be the closest. I mean Connery Connery's good in Doctor No, but they just change up Bond a lot between the first couple of films, which is understandable. But Brosnan yeah. just feels like he's always been the role. Like he should have been. Like I mean. And, and, you know, and I mean, he'll be irritated and him saying that he would take it if they were going to give him the role because he, he felt like he had something to prove. I mean, he fucking he proved it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and these are all four of these mm-hmm. movies yeah. are gigantic hits. Uh, Die mm-hmm. Another Day might be like one of the biggest hits ever that didn't like have a follow up with the same people. <laughs> like, Die Another Day makes yeah. so much money. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. later. But uh uh, that trailer though is a good thing. I don't know now. I'm sure they had a full trailer. What I really remember and what got me really excited, they had a teaser and they did do a bunch of fast cuts. So maybe this is the same thing. Maybe this is I'm thinking of this, but I just remember like there's like bullets hitting the screen, and I think that makes the 007 because they and there's like the movie mm-hmm. guy saying something like it's been, you know all this you know blah 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 you know through the history of time something. And then they do the shots because you don't know what it is yet. You see the 007 and then Pierce Brosnan comes out and says something like, were you expecting someone else? It's just so fucking badass. I remember Uh, that. No, I remember that. That was was like a teaser trailer. But then they came out with the full version, which, which, you know, I believe starts off with the dam at the very beginning. And then and then like but there's a lot. It's it's actually if you guys want to look at it on on YouTube. One of the best trailers. I mean, the '90s for such a fucking yeah. great year, great decade for trailers. But like, but it's a really great trailer. And and like I said, they rock up that Bond theme. Oh yeah, amazing. And just a lot of like really cool flash editing through it and everything. But, Weirdly, not the style um, of the Bond theme you hear in the movie, yeah. though. <laughs> it's like no, Bond not better at all. In the trailer, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, that so, yeah. Time has been kind to this movie for me, um, uh, at least. Uh, like, like I said, I don't think I was a big fan of this back in 1995. But uh, over the years, uh, every time I watch it, I'm I'm stunned at like how much I yeah. like about it. And um, so, in in the end, yeah, good in good the stuff. End, does never mind. Um, I'm not going to sing Lincoln Park. Uh, they. Um, yeah, and and I'll go back to that. I I really don't remember what I thought in '95. The only thing I can remember is that opening was really cool, and then he jumped onto the plane, and I remember thinking, "Oh, I don't know that this is gonna work," <laughs> but mm-hmm. I do remember. Like, I think I enjoyed it because Falka Jansen's great. Speaking of which, though, man, much like Barbara Carrera, though, and much like a lot of Bond movies do with the females, she gets the most vicious death. Like she gets pulled up into that yeah. tree, <laughs> like. I mean, it is mm-hmm. rough. Yep. Uh, 
it kind of fits yep. with the pain i guess her character gives other people i also am curious though like i feel like this thing where she can kill people during sex like i feel like that would get around like like some people it's like, yeah but i don't know pa- power of boners you might still be willing to take a chance i don't know they do a, a really weird thing. I don't know if we send this in the in the video, but they do this weird thing where the the first time we see her having sex and she squeezes that dude to death, he's like he's like I can't breathe, Azenia, <laughs> yeah. I can't breathe. And then the next time we see him, he's got this giant smile yeah. on his face. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a giant smile on his face and I was like that's not how he died. I mean, I understand I understand that he was having sex with a very beautiful woman at the time, but he was also his his oxygen yeah, got cut off. No, he wasn't smiling no during that. But it, it's yes. a funny joke that they throw in there for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, no, it definitely is. But yeah, that would definitely get around. <laughs> but but it reminds me of the other scene that I love in this when they're in that that spa or whatever, and yeah. she goes in oh, there. Oh, that's and, amazing. And. It's such a, I mean, like every time you think about like some scenes and they're like, yep, I love that scene. I love that scene. I love that scene. There's hardly anything that I don't like in this. I, I love that they kiss in that scene too. Like I, I just, I, yeah. that's such a, I don't know why, but it's something about that. Like it's just perfect. Like the fact that they, cause mm-hmm. I think they're, they're both trying to kill each other, but at the same time, like it's kind of hot. Like, you know, like they're, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're yeah. both attractive people, clo- you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, and then he, and then he sticks her on that, uh, sauna and and i love that's another thing i love the i just love the fighting and most of the action i mean you do notice the cgi and see absolutely do you do mm-hmm. and it's got yeah. a lot of that mid 90s you know which i mean we still have that i mean that's still an issue in a lot yeah. of movies uh yeah uh, uh no matter how much money is spent it seems like because a lot of these mcu movies just some scenes you're just like what is this like what am i what mm-hmm. am i looking at uh but yeah, so that part, I really like most of the action. That tank scene, I I just I always forget how I forgot how amazing that tank scene is. I mean, it's just so much fun. I had not seen this one in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like it had been a while. But I think I've always it's a movie that I love more. Like every time I see it, um, I did. Mm-hmm. There was one thing though. What was it about the Sean? Oh, I thought it was interesting though. Like knowing like knowing that Sean Bean is a traitor and he is bad. And he's like he's he's Giannis or whatever is his name. Uh, that's what he goes by. The, he's 006. His and Giannis is not mm-hmm. his actual name, but that's I think that's what he goes by, uh, the leader of mm-hmm. an organization. And so, like the general Oryumov or whatever, he's in with him, like he's his underling. But like Sean Bean kills mm-hmm. a lot of people in that scene, including including yeah. a scientist. Like why did like, he just brutally mm-hmm. murders a scientist? <laughs> like that that mm-hmm. I'm sure would have mm-hmm. just put his hands up and said, "Can you just like handcuff me to this thing or something?" Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I always thought that was kind of weird. I also, um, as much as I love, uh, I do enjoy the gadgetry in this one, but that pin. I've always thought that was so weird that like that's the thing he get like it's almost like Q knew <laughs> that there was a one of the guys mm-hmm. on uh, 006's team played with pens all the time because <laughs> right right yeah it's so it's such a weird yeah it's a, it's a very scene, weird moment and it's a, when it, you, yeah but it's a great scene because yeah. he's sitting there oh, counting all the, the like is is it is it set is it not is it set is it not so it's like a really like yeah and, really I, and I love scene. even like. And I don't know if this is what you're supposed to do, but this is the first time I ever thought about it. But, like, Sean Bean has got a gun pointed to Bond, and he looks at Bond's face and sees Bond looking over there, and then he looks, too, mm-hmm. which I think was a great move because you could see he's like, okay, something's going on. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. it is. 
I also like. By the way, the, it is the the Alliance Cossacks. Oh, okay. yes. That's who. That's how. That's how they they go by. That's uh, that's what um, mm-hmm. Sean Bean's character uh, is. Uh, he's upset about the British treatment of the Alliance Cossacks. Um, I also love too uh, when uh, when uh, they go up and like after they after Bond and um, uh, Nat- is it mm-hmm. Natalia get uh they get they they get into that elevator at right after you know right they get in the elevator right after that like uh he he gets that explosion and everything um and uh and he goes can he crack your code so she goes probably <laughs> you know it's not one of these things where she's like she's like super um you know she's not she's not sitting there going oh i'm like the best or she's not surprisingly yeah. amazed like like one of the best hackers there yeah. is it's it, it's so funny how honest that is when he goes do you think he can crack your Boris can crack your codes and she's like i don't know I love probably that, that, that's so that's a really funny moment like a legit funny moment when she's trying to figure out his password and you see the screen and she's just typing in like butt ass because <laughs> yeah. 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 Bor- uh, alan cumming plays boris he's like a uh, him and natalia work together at this like soviet arctic station or something i don't i don't really know exactly what they're doing mm-hmm. but uh he always comes up with like really like pervy passwords and stuff and he gives them riddles like yeah. you know they're right in front of you and can open very large doors you know uh, yeah, and then it turns out to be yeah. knockers. But then this yeah. one ends up being chair. It's like it's not even like. It's, but I just love that you see that shot. She's just typing all these like versions of butt in. <laughs> it is funny that she's doing all those words. But I'm like, don't you remember this was a five letter <laughs> oh, yeah, word? Yeah, that's right. Like, the, like I forgot about that. I was sitting there like thinking, God damn, it's 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 a five letter word. Why are you putting the four in anyway? And her character is not written great. Uh, I I think Isabella Scorpico brings some stuff to that performance i don't know how great an actor she is i mean she hasn't been in much but i think she makes it better than it is on the page because like the fact that she just falls for bond so easily was annoying and um yeah uh, it's like a, it's like a, his, a history with all these women and then it leads to the the whole thing where uh is it coltrane i can't remember who it is no it's joe don baker who's like have you have you checked her out and he's like yeah head to toe and oh, i'm like God, oh, okay. yeah all right you, you guys were doing fine until that and then the sean bean character who i like i think he's a good villain um i i i, yeah. Yeah, I don't know where i'd rank him i i think i like like davi better and stuff but i, I like him he's good he's he's perfectly per- he's a perfect villain for them trying to like reestablish this franchise like i like the idea it also feels very mission impossible mm. 3 I, I i almost kind of wonder if like abrams like you know took it from that kind of a little bit because it's the it's the pissed off former mm-hmm. agent you know um it feels like his country betrayed him uh but um there's that scene where oh god what was like oh there's a scene on the train um he gets like all oh, rapey yeah, with yeah, Italian. Yeah, yeah. i'm just like why did you feel the need to do this you didn't need to do that and and he even has that horrible line about we used to share everything including women and like you didn't need to do that if it was if it was a part of the character from the beginning you'd be like okay whatever but like this is comes out of nowhere oh absolutely although to be fair he's probably not trying sex with fonka jansen because she could kill people yeah absolutely (laughs) but yeah and then the other thing i don't i I, there's something about that scene it's it's when he when okay so there's a 
we haven't really talked about the plot. And the plot on IMDb is stupid. It says, years after a friend and fellow double O agent is killed on a joint mission, a Russian crime syndicate steals a secret space-based weapons program known as GoldenEye, and James Bond has to stop them from using it, which is the basic plot. Mm -hmm. That's true. There's this helicopter that, like, factors in. Yeah. And, but Sean Bean is a, him and, Bond, I guess, were really good friends. He was 006 to, 00, to his 007. They went on missions together. He thought he had died in the opening scene. Like, he thinks that 006 gets killed, and then he finds out nine years later that that, that was just a setup, and um, uh, that was to make it make it look like he was dead. He gets dead. mad, too, that, uh, that he set the bomb for three minutes and not six minutes, and yeah. you know, which yeah. is weird. Which I love that line. Mm -hmm. I love that line where he's like, I, I, I gave you these same six minutes you yeah, gave me. Yeah, 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 <laughs> And then he knows immediately what that means, you yeah. know. Because she's like, what does that mean? We've got three minutes. <laughs> um, but I love that scene in the cemetery. I think it's a cemetery where they first, where he first realizes, finds out that Sean Bean's yeah. alive. And uh, that scene's great. But then there's another scene towards the end where Sean Bean goes on this other monologue and he makes these comments like, how many martinis have you drank to drown out the sorrow or drown out the your victims yeah, yeah. and like how many does sleeping with all these women help help you with the fact that you've killed so many others i don't know yeah. it's something like that and i there's something about that it's like it, maybe it's partly because we i feel like we've already had this talk and now we're just kind of doing it again mm -hmm. you're just adding new things yeah. into it um i don't know mm. it always it's always come off as weird to me that that part but i guess the the other part of this is like well the first part of it is they they want to they want to take control of this golden eye weapon in that one that russian hacker facility or whatever uh i guess at least to test it or whatever and then they yeah. they, they use it and it, it destroys the entire the entire in the entire place they use the the emp thing and it destroys the entire place and it's like the the migs that were sent to come after the helicopter they're also yeah the, uh, they also blow up in the middle of that and then you find out oh there's a second one there's a second golden eye or whatever that they can use a second uh satellite or whatever that they can use and then um and that one is for that one uh sean bean wants to like like he this is this is like old goldfinger type stuff where he wants uh mm -hmm. he wants to make it where the entire like bank record of london is is gone so i think he's he's yeah. not trying to destroy things like physically i think he's just trying to like reset everything basically uh and i think he's using that yeah. golden eye to do that like where he's just trying to pulse out all of the bank records there are something like that so that's his that's his big mission there it, it's got some very yeah. classic bond-esque bond villain yeah. type of things in it i i will say also i think the i think making it be like a former friend of his that that not only does Bond feel betrayed, but he feels what is what is his name? I Alec, right? Yeah. Um, Alec feels betrayed by Bond too in some ways, and so I get why. Like, because we always have that thing where why don't they just shoot Bond? But I get like it makes sense. I mean, Alec that he would he would try to trap him in that train and blow him up just like he tried to blow up mm -hmm. him. There's stuff like that. I will say, and there's also that scene where I remember because I forgot what actually happens, but there's that scene where. Um, they try to kill him in that helicopter and they escape mm -hmm. and then they get caught again by soldiers. And I'm sitting there thinking like, why didn't they just fucking shoot him? But then I forgot that that was actually the, the Michigan guy or yeah. whatever that wasn't because he doesn't know that, you know, Orimov is, is, is betrayed mm -hmm. him. 
Um, so, so that was it. And that turned out to be a really interesting scene. So I thought they did a much better job of like, at least, at least uh, they did a better job. I mean, sometimes it's still kind of silly. Like you could have just shot him, but they did a better job of, uh, of handling stuff like that. And I think having Sean Bean's motive be what it is, I think that probably, that probably helped in that scenario. Yeah. Uh, whether they intended that to help or not, but that was just something I noticed. No, I really, I really, I, I'm with you. It's, it's definitely. I'm pretty sure it's his best. It's Brosnan's best film. I mean, I haven't seen yeah, the next I two in a is. long time, yeah. and I know the world is not enough has gained like a big yep. fan. Not, I don't know, big, but it's it gained has. a fan it base. Has. I couldn't tell you anything that happens in Tomorrow Never Dies. I, I might not. I, it, I seriously don't know that I've seen that since the theater. I don't <laughs> like, think I have. Um, but you know, it'll be fun. I, miss, I, for, I always forget Michelle Yeoh's in that, mm-hmm. so that'll be mm-hmm. fun. I had, you know, I hadn't really. Yep. Uh, that might have been. I mean, that was definitely before Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So that might have been like she was in like I had seen her like in Jackie Chan movies mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think that might have been her first like Super big Cop, American I think movie. Was the I first saw. time I saw her was I think it was Super Cop. No, was it? Uh, yeah, Super Cop. Yeah. yeah, which I think is actually one of the police story movies. Yeah, but it was called Super Cop here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So love her. So, but that'll be next week. But um. And I, I love, like, I love this script. I love the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I just, there's so, like, and it's just like every, like, Joe Don Baker's got some good quips and, you know, Robbie Coulter. And you get, like, these actors that are good at it. Like, they can go back and forth. I'm sorry. Robbie, Col- Robbie Coltrane even talked about, like, like uh, how there's that line that he says is like, oh, Walter PPK, 7.75 millimeter. <laughs> I only know three men yeah. in the world who have ever used this, and I've killed two of them, you know? And, and he says, I <laughs> yeah, love awesome. saying a line like that, you know? <laughs> oh, I bet. Uh, I bet. Late, late Robbie Coltrane, too, mm, sadly. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, no, there's that. There's even, like we said, that scene with Q is really good. I love that bit where it's like, um, what does he say? He says, I think I wrote this one down. Oh, is that they always said the pen is mightier than the sword. And then Q says, thanks to me, they were right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I, just, yeah. I don't know. It's just real like crack. It's really, it's just real crackly like dialogue. Like mm-hmm. it feels almost more like Sorkin or like David Mamet or somebody yeah. wrote it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and but uh and then obviously we already talked about that you don't need the gun commander and then you know Brosnan saying I gave him the limp and I don't mm-hmm. know and then that whole scene with Elm where Elm's like almost doing like a haiku or something but she's like you know you're a misogynistic dinosaur relic of the cold yeah, war yeah uh but I don't know. So they, I think they do a really good job of actually establishing him in this time frame. Like I think they do a much better job than like let's say uh, Diamonds Are Forever did with him being in the seventies, mm-hmm. or For Your Eyes Only did with him being in the eighties. I think they definitely established that he can coexist in the nineties, mm-hmm. even though the action movie has changed a ton. They give a little bit of that, but then they also kind of they also throw in some of the old, and it just kind of it. I don't know. It works into this really beautiful thing that I I don't recall any of the other three do. I know one of them does, I'm for mm-hmm. sure, but I don't recall the next two being able to quite capture that. Yeah. Even though I think they make quite a bit more money than this mm-hmm. one, but um, but that's usually how this stuff goes now with franchises, which is the weirdest thing because I remember when sequels used to make less, and now it's like yeah. it's really weird if a sequel doesn't make more. Right. Um, I don't, I don't get it anymore, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, sequels are different now too. They're not just, uh, you know, 80 sequels were just like, Oh, that movie made some money. Let's get another one out really quick so we can, you know, get what little we can mm-hmm. from these, you know, right. so you ended up with like jewel of the Nile and shit like that. But, um, but no, I, I don't know what else to say about it. I just, I re- I'm, I'm on the same page with you. I, I just, it was really fun watching this one again. Um, and it's fun like i like daniel craig i like some of those films but like i do sometimes miss this kind of 
this kind of Bond film. And it also, it gets, it's dark too, though. Like, it's not just, it's, it's entertaining, but it's also, it's not afraid to, like, go to places. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with, like, the Fomka Jansen character. I mean, yeah. she gets the shit beat out of mm-hmm. her. Uh, but she beats the shit out of people too. So, I mean, it kind of goes back and forth. Yeah. But I do think this was just kind of fun. And I, I've heard people say Pierce Brosnan is their favorite Bond. And I hadn't watched this in a while. So, I'm always like, really? But then I watched this. I'm like, no, nah, I get mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, he he's never bad, even if the movies are. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him ever being bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we get to our rankings? Nope. I think uh, think we've said everything we need to say about these movies until it comes out and people are like, I can't believe you didn't talk about this or something like that, you know, whatever that, whatever it is. I will say this, though. It was uh, interesting, kind of a retrospect type of thing. Uh, the satellite that's in this movie, the very end of the movie where they're in, they're in quote unquote Cuba, but it's Puerto Rico. Um, yeah. They, uh, the Arecibo satellite or whatever is what this is. And you see this later in contact, uh, oh. when, uh, oh, yeah. just before Ellie, uh, gets her, gets her funding from, uh, John Hurt in the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, they're at that place. And that's where she gets shit canned by Tom Skerritt. Uh, yeah, and uh, and because uh, there's a there's a very distinct corridor that they walk down. That's very like you'll be if you're a contact person, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But um, but uh, that that satellite apparently uh, collapsed or broke down or something a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, and they there's been discussion about oh, wow. there's been discussion about rebuilding it, but uh, it's uh, apparently defunct or it's definitely not operational. It may have uh, may have even just collapsed. So who knows? I was uh, that's a movie that for some reason I've been thinking. I just haven't watched it in a long time, mm-hmm. and I was I've been thinking about rewatching it. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I am a fan of it. I mean, I love the movie. It's great. Yep. Uh, that's interesting. I I did not realize that. I can see it now though that it's the same yep. one. But yeah, so we like gold. We like Goldeneye, but we're gonna rank our film, uh, and we're gonna rank this film in five different categories. Our scale will be based on something that Bond holds near and dear to his heart, as long as they were shaken and not stirred, and that would be martinis. So for each category, we rank from one to five martinis. Five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips, and one being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night. So we've talked a lot about this, but just overall rating for like the 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 movie, the story, uh, yeah. Your overall feeling toward it, what what would you rank that? Uh, and this is a this, is, this is a four four for me uh, here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think this is just pretty much uniformly excellent all the way through. There's I guess a couple of hiccups here and there, but I mean honestly, it's it's about the best you can ask for. Yeah. I I'm a four too. I I think and I think the only reason I can't get to five is because it is. I mean. I mean, it's not, it's not like because it's the 17th film in a franchise, but it also kind of is because mm-hmm. like, it doesn't, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like really breaking new ground in any way. Right. Like it's not, it's, it's still like kind of, it still feels very much like a Bond mm-hmm. movie. Like it, it doesn't really break from tradition. It adds things, I think, but it's still, it's kind of deep seated in that. So you do have some issues, like obviously like the, the Natalia character yeah. ends up not being very interesting just because, mm-hmm. you know, most of the female characters that aren't the bad guys aren't mm-hmm. uh, in these movies. So stuff like that. But, but it's, but I mean, it's, it's just, and also like Martin Campbell is a super competent action director. Mm-hmm. Like he knows how to direct around a budget, but he's, but he's also not like, 
he I, he's not really adding a ton to it i guess i don't know i don't i don't mean that mean mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like it's just like it's like it's a movie that's just like it it is it is extremely it's an extremely competent action bond film mm. it's like you know it's it's right there at the top but i just can't quite get it to 5 and i don't know what that is that yeah i don't either it's not it's yeah it's just it's not yeah it could be the score it's a it, it is but it's i don't know i mean you definitely need yeah, you definitely need to have somebody as competent as martin campbell to make this movie but i Absolutely. don't know like I don't. I, I mean, I don't know what that is. Uh, what what you know? Whether it can be a better movie in in some way other than just a couple of tiny things here and there. I don't well, know. I don't know. And he. I mean, and he directs the fuck out of Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously he can really direct. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably take some of that out. I feel bad. I said that, but uh, no, I like him a lot. Um, and we've had like pretty big directors like jump in these franchises. Not. I mean, like Sam Mendes has directed one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so like you always hear that, like you always hear like, would it be cool if Tarantino did one or would it be cool if, uh, you know, I don't know, Christopher Nolan, but then you're kind of like, yeah, but they would also probably be like limited a little bit because they still have to make like a bond. I mean, film. they definitely and would so, be. Uh, I mean, uh, you're, yeah, you're, you're so. working in somebody else's sandbox and exactly. Yeah. But, uh, this is definitely the, the most amazing 17th film ever in franchise. So yeah, so I would, but I, but it's definitely a four. Uh, as far as the bond, the performance, which is our second one, I actually think I'm just going to give this a five. Yeah, same <laughs> I, here. Brosnan's really good. Same <laughs> I mean, here. There's nothing else that he could do with this, and it's and it's no. perfectly well. It's I mean it's great. So, um, like even the even the lines that are not great, like he delivers very well. Like it's, I will say, I will mention this though. I think I mentioned this on Slack the other night, but I watched this last night and yesterday we all were on a, a a thing together and we were talking all the cinema sense people and you guys were talking about Zoolander Mm And I swear to God, like Brosnan does, like Blue Steel. Like there's like some of these close-ups of like his face. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was thinking more along <laughs> the lines of, of the uh, character that Ben Stiller plays in Tropic Thunder at the beginning. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, whatever that 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 they, they do like they they make a make fun of how many sequels he's made of it, where the world yeah. is always, but he's always yeah. like every all the the trailers are always Ben Stiller like looking up into the sky with this like <laughs> yeah. this like mm, you know. Uh, the villain and the henchmen. I mean, so we've got uh, quite a few villains here. We've got Sean Bean, Alec. We've got the general. We've got uh, Alan Cummings. I guess Boris would count mm-hmm. as a villain. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we've got um, uh, Zania on the top. Uh, and all of them are are good. I, I don't have an issue with any of them, really. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is... I think... I think this is a four for me. I yeah. like Sean Bean's character isn't, you know, he's not over the top like a lot of the villains that we've seen mm-hmm. over the years, but I like his motivations uh, mm-hmm. more than I like m- most villains that I've seen uh, in this. Um, Xenia on a top, of course, one of the, one of the, like put like that's a all time hall of fame, performance and it's so with it even though it's like randier and more sexual or whatever than any other uh, bond villain it's so fits so well with all the other ones back in the day you know like uh, the jaws of the world and the you know um and uh who's in grace jones yeah grace jones but 
who's the who's the who's the dude who who? Oh, odd job. Odd job. He comes falling in with an odd job, and uh, and uh, and uh, so like there was there's a lot of she fits in a lot with these with these unusual abilities to kill people with just weird like a bit you know just these weird abilities to kill people so it's just, it's perfect casting and that doesn't happen often like not as often as you would think like i mean there i if i didn't really see like who else had been offered that role which by the way we kind of forgot to talk about like who else was offered oh no we did we don't no i don't think we talked about who was offered bond other than mel gibson but um but uh she was i mean i don't know i don't know i mean she was perfect the way it was written i, I can't i can't see anyone else doing that role mm-hmm uh and that's that's pretty rare i mean and maybe they could have like i don't know maybe michelle pfeiffer could have come in here and done i have no idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> why not <laughs> i'm just glad it's her mm-hmm. and uh and like i said she has had a hell of a career i mean she still works i mean she's been working consistently for however 27 years 28 years or whatever mm-hmm. but i just feel like i just i wish she had gotten it does more seem like, like does just seem like starring. she was she's been shortchanged a bit even though she's worked for yeah, like there, I don't know who the other act, like maybe maybe Sandra Bullock. I I don't know who the other actress is that kind of like took stuff away from her because you always hear that right, like mm-hmm. these people are always up for the same parts, yep. and you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. She's she's awesome in this, yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I'm for though. I don't know why I'm not fine. I think the the Sean Bean character. I mean, the general and Boris. I mean, they're fun, but. They're not like they don't really they they have their scenes I guess but I don't know I'm just giving yeah, them a four. I don't know. Four's this good. Is some, Four's a good I think rating. five for me would be something where you just really feel the threat. You really feel like it's like a Christoph yeah. Waltz maybe, you know later oh, that's on a good point. or or yeah. or uh, um uh Javier Bardem one of these one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these singular villain characters where Bond is still doing this thing where there's like they're sort of separating all the villainy into one and like into mm-hmm. all these different characters and everything. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know why it's not five either. It's it's might as well be five, I guess. But like it's it's a four. And if you <laughs> you ask me, it's a four. There's something a little bit missing, but not much. Yeah, missing. I agree. I agree. Uh, the gadgets and the gizmos. I'm actually going to give this a four too. There's a lot of fun stuff in this. I think the stuff with, I don't know, like uh, maybe I don't know, somewhere between a three and a four. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. But like the pen, the pen end up being involved in that really cool scene, mm-hmm. and then there's the cars and the little watch. With uh, I love them. when Joe Don Baker takes the uh, the the BMW and Bond's like, "Don't push any of the buttons." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the, like the the watch with the little laser. I don't know if does yeah. he does he he uses that. Yeah, he uses the watch. Oh yeah, he uses is he he cuts the bottom of the train so they can yeah they can get out mm-hmm. so it's stuff that's like useful i mean the pen's a little silly just because of how it ends up being used <laughs> yeah. like it's just one of those uh and then but then and then and then also i'll count that naked gun as scene because that scene's fine yeah. i mean that's just a really everybody's like getting like there's all this stuff blowing up mm-hmm. and I, I mean it's insane there's no way a workplace would would do that but it's i don't know yeah it's fun so i i somewhere between three and four but i'll i'll, I'll say four yeah, how about you I, I'll, I'll probably go yeah i think i'll go i think i'll go three with us uh i think just because this is definitely what we're thinking of when we think of bond gadgets i think yeah i think is, so i think they're really yeah. like excited to bring these back into the the to the fray essentially so and then the last thing last but not definitely not least uh the song 
Yeah, the uh, the Tina Turner song. I'm not talking about the no, no, fucking the, song. The Tina the Turner song is credits. a four for me. Uh, I think this is yeah. a really, really well done. It's sort of a throwback to the Shirley Bassey stuff. So I, yeah. like, I, I, I really, I really like it. It's not, it's not like, it's not one that really just like just overwhelms me with greatness. But it, it really does the job, especially after that opening sequence uh, and everything. And you, like you said, that dun dun dun. You know, and just Tina Turner's voice is incredible, even at oh, it's the age that she's singing it at this point. So yeah, and I, I mean, it does feel like a throwback. So that could partly be part of why. But I'm giving it a four too. But also, like, unlike like we were talking about this about License to Kill, where you had a great song, but it didn't fit with the movie mm-hmm. at all. Like, this fits perfectly. Yeah, uh, this blends in great. I wish you know, but um, that was another thing. The score didn't really use like any of the song either. Like, and that's a lot of the time what the Bond scores do. And mm-hmm. I think that would have helped yeah. this film score, but whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, like I said, I'm sure that dude's super cool. <laughs> I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. <laughs> oh, I hope he doesn't listen to this. But, yeah. Oh, actually, no, I do. I don't, he might not be alive. I don't even know. I don't um, know. Eric Sarah. But anyways, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, we Obviously, we can't really talk about a book. There's no book this is based on. The only thing it's based on is that it has the same name as uh, Ian Fleming's house. So, <laughs> yep. Thank you for joining us this week. We, we hope you'll join us again next week. We'll be talking about Tomorrow Never Dies, which I am almost positive I haven't seen since the theater. So that'll be an interesting watch. Uh, I do know I do know people that like it. So I, I, I just, it's just, for me, it just, it's not, it wasn't that memorable, I guess. So I maybe, don't remember maybe my, about it. yeah, I know Jonathan Price is the bad guy. Oh, Terry Hatcher's in it. Totally forgot. <laughs> I think it's Jonathan Price. Isn't that guy? Yeah, it's Jonathan the, Price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are at goldspy 7 uh, You can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at Sam Loomis 13 you can email us at golddiamonddeath007 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSins brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, we would appreciate it. Uh, so until then, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gassed. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off, and we will see you next mission.